Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Move Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Moss, and we are about to finish up our summer series conversations through the book of Hebrews. This is it. This is week 10. And if you have followed us all the way through, I know that you have really come to a rich understanding of the book of Hebrews, which, as I told you in the very beginning, is my most favorite book of the Bible. So today we're going to we're going to catch up a little bit on what we ended with last week because we didn't quite finish uh, chapter 10, uh, excuse me, chapter 12. And then we're going to go on to chapter 13 and we're going to wrap the whole thing up. If you are joining us for the very first time, these are 90 minute episodes because it's a summer Bible study. And we couldn't do it justice just going through like a 20 minute study. We would have had to extend it to about 20 or so episodes. And so we made this a 90 minute each week study. You can find the summer series study guide for conversations through Hebrews on my website at kimmoss.com. And if you are joining us for the first time and you want to go back and hear the whole summer series, which I highly recommend, then uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, Kim Moss Ministries, and you can find them all there. Or you can go back through the podcast series. And you know, you can find this podcast on anywhere where Charisma Podcast Network is is on 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 uh iPodcast well on Apple and uh, and all the other places where the podcast is held. So, uh my partner in crime for the summer series is of course Dr. Alan Hawkins, who is my great friend, who was a pastor for many many years, who has a has a education in theology and who is my favorite preacher and theologian. So Dr. Hawkins, let me bring you on here. Thank you for being with me. And wow, I can't believe we're at the end of this series. How in the world did we get to the end? I, I hate for it to end, but thank you for being with me today. It's good to be here. Are, am I on? I want to be sure I'm on. You are. Okay. Yes, you are. Because I keep touching things and I'm learning my equipment and I keep, Kim, I touch something that messes something. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are listening, you know that last week, last week before this series, we spent about 15 minutes setting up all his equipment. Alan has, uh, he's been inspired. And so uh, he's going to be, he's going to be creating his own podcast. He's going to be preaching every week. So for those of you who used to tune into New Life City in Albuquerque, where he pastored for many years, and I know lots and lots of my friends, we we went to our own church and then we would come home and tune in to his church so that we could hear him preach every week. So we'll be looking forward to that, Dr. Hawk. I'm, I'm announcing it publicly so you can't get away from it. <laughs> I, want to be, I want to be like Kim when I grow up. <laughs> I have, listen, I have plans for Dr. Alan Hawkins, and he keeps telling me that I'm going to run him ragged in. And I would, because I, I, you know, I told him last week, you know, we got to go big or go home when it comes to the things of Jesus. So, Kim, you're like Jesus. I, you love me and have a wonderful plan for my life. <laughs> 
Right. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, let's get right into this because this is our last one and I don't want to, I don't want us to lose any time at all. And so here we go. Uh, so take it away, Dr. Hawk. So the beauty is this is, this is, we're going to just review last week because we actually didn't do a great job of finishing. So this is the contrast of old and new covenant. Basically, uh, the book of Hebrews sits at the juncture of the closing of the old covenant and of the flowering of the new covenant. And if you were the people that this engaged, Kim, it was a terrifying prospect because you were going through such a change. It was the end of sacrifice. It was the end of the priesthood. It was the end of the temple. It was the leaving up aside of much of the of the old covenant Torah, and it was the engagement of the new, and the new was life in the Holy Spirit, life in in the in Jesus, life um, where sacrifice for sin was over with, the necessity of uh, the priesthood was over with, and. It was a time in history when those things were going to be ended and made, um, the, the book of Hebrews says obsolete and passing away. Obsolete meant that they had, uh, that the new had come and the need for them had, uh, it, it was redundant. Mm -hmm. um, passing away means they're gone. And so what happened in Israel was the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple meant the end of a whole way of life. And the writer of Hebrews sees it coming, anticipates mm. it, knows it's upon them, and is urging them to embrace the new with no fear. Let me, let me uh, liken it to this. <laughs> I'm always going to get in trouble. But it would be like, <laughs> It would be like you were you would see that the nation of America was coming to an end and you were saying it's all good. And wow. Yeah, that's how hard it is. That, yeah, that's that's, how very that's hard. hard. I mean, we so many of us right now, um, you included Alan and me, you know, but we we have all we are all going through such transition right now. And and we, you know, may or may not be facing the end of our, of the nation as we know it, you know, but, um, but many of us have been through some kinds of transition that have caused us and different times in our life too, not just now that, um, that means the end of something that we know very well, are very comfortable with that we love, you know, and, and that we um, feel like we have a handle on. And then suddenly everything changes and it is, it is very frightening. And that's to a lesser degree than what we're talking about. But transition, man, that's hard for people. Very hard. Um, yes, we've talked about it on here. I've, I've ended my pastoral ministry. I'm one year out of that now. And wow. uh, I listened to my preaching to my church at the end. And by the way, uh, this chapter that we're going to go into, chapter 13, that's where I was when I wow. when I uh, ended my tenure as a pastor. And I was reflecting with them very much about the future. And I was admitting 
that I had no idea what the future was. I was very definite about uh, God saying that I had come to the end of that part of my life, but I was clueless about what the future is. And Kim, it's a year later and I'm still fairly clueless. Um, (laughs) But hey, you were following Jesus Christ and and we can follow him because we can hear his voice and we know him. We're in a relationship. It's a living relationship. And um, so let's let's catch up. We finished at chapter 12. And I'm going to go past this slide because he he said to them, Mount Zion or, or Mount Sinai, where the law was given, is over. Mount Zion, where the spirit is poured out, is today. Where where we have life in the new covenant. Life in the old covenant was over. Life in the new covenant is present. And then this passage, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Um, and And the writer is telling them that God is speaking to them. Like he is presently actively speaking. The whole book's been about speaking through Jesus. And, uh, and now he's saying, don't refuse him. He is speaking. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, God had spoken to the people with an audible voice. Jesus had spoken to the people as he walked among them. Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. That was Sinai. But now he has promised, once more, I'm going to shake the earth and the heavens. Now, I just introduced this idea. We've talked about it a couple times. But Kim, the temple was the place where heaven and earth met. Yes. All right. Because the temple was the place where the manifest presence of God was uh, at the time, especially of of Solomon's temple. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and the and the Jews understood the temple as the heaven and earth place. Now, what happens is the heaven and earth man comes, and the heaven and earth place is going away. I love that the heaven and earth man. Oh, that's Jesus. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So look, so look, when Jesus rose from the dead, I mentioned this last week, he came and he was among, he was with some of his disciples. They didn't know him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I suggested, I've suggested as I've preached this uh, through this year, different places that, uh, that, that what Jesus was as uh, a risen human was so qualitatively unique from anything that had ever appeared that he was unrecognizable to them and that they had to have new eyes in order to see him. Him. And the only way they saw him was when he made himself known. And the first time that the risen Jesus made himself known was when he broke bread with them, Kim. It was, it was, uh, it was the celebration of the Eucharist. Beautiful. And I, I have to be careful because I'll have to do a whole another teaching on that. <laughs> but but so so coming back to this text, once more will I shake not only the earth but the heavens. Listen, those of you who are with us, this is not talking about today. This is talking about at the time of the Hebrews. 
God was going to shake things. And he was going to shake uh, not only the earth as at Sinai, but the heaven and earth. Jesus had said to his followers, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word won't pass away. Yeah. So the destruction of Jerusalem was the passing away of heaven and earth. The phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, the things that have been made. The writer is literally telling them, Kim, that the, that the temple is coming down. Even as Jesus had prophesied that, that before this generation had passed away, that, it, that the temple would come down. So here it is. And this is the thing that's made by hands mm -hmm. in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And Kim, from the time of, from that time to this, we who are on earth are the recipients of an unshakable kingdom. And thus, let us offer acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Mm. And uh, the the fire is is the consuming fire is the ultimate removal of things. So, ultimate, you mean in the end? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, let's also remember there's a Moses reference here. Yes. Um, that is to say that. Uh, Moses turned to hear a voice that spoke to him from a bush that, that burned and was not consumed. Yeah. Now the people are being told, uh, our God is a consuming fire. And what's being consumed is the Moses, the old Moses order of things. It's being, it's being shaken. It's being destroyed. It's being consumed. But it has oh, nothing so to do with the eternal kingdom of God, which remains. So, so Alan, can we say, <clears throat> you've said a couple of times, and I, and I totally understand what you're saying, that the application of this passage, uh, well, the, uh, the, let's say what the author is saying to its original audience okay which is something that we ought to always understand when we study scripture right so the original intent of the author was to say that everything uh, uh, that the shaking is 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 about the shaking and the removal of the temple where they understood heaven and earth met because God was going to do something new. And, and the heaven and earth man comes in. Of course, we know that now we are the temple. So we are where heaven and earth meets because the heaven and earth man is inside of us by the spirit. However, can we not say, can we not say that God still shakes things that are made by human you know, humanism, human, you know what I'm saying? So when we say God is shaking everything because we are receiving a heaven that cannot be shaken, we can't, we can't apply that contemporarily, I guess is what I'm, is what I'm saying. Oh, I think we can apply it to everything that gets shaken. Yet okay. once more, 
yeah. indicates the removal of things that are shaken. Now, ultimately, you and I do believe that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And is and is in, even now. Yes. At all. Yes. But, but what was actually being told to them, because look, <laughs> I mean, this writer is talking to them about the end of their commonwealth, the end of their corporate life, the end of their of their body politic. But he is yes. saying that we who have followed Jesus are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, Kim, every kingdom in this world, every single one is headed for, there's not a kingdom on this earth that can last. No. There's not a, there's not a human government that's been formed on this earth that, that is eternal. That's right. There is only the heavenly government of our God. And this is why God's kingdom is a government of all people in all places. It's, a, it's, it's overall. The, the picture that we have in the book of Revelation is, is one of a kingdom that is of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation, all people. Yeah. And so there's nothing that we're right here. There's nothing national. There's nothing national about our experience of the kingdom of God. And, and um, we need to go because we're going to have a long, we have a, we have a beautiful <laughs> chapter to get to. And Let's some, go. And some things that will, that will um, be, be important. Yeah, um, let's go. We went from the unshakable kingdom. Now we're moving into the unchanging person. Oh, Beautiful. Now this is what we need, Kim. This is where yes. we want to live. We that's right. This is <laughs> um by the way, E. Stanley Jones, these these expressions kind of come out of E. Stanley Jones's book, an old book called The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person. But oh. they perfectly reflect what the text of Hebrews is saying. And and I've been obsessed with this business. I've been, I've been obsessed with the kingdom um, since sometime in the 90s. But I was, I was lurching to understand it all. And I would love to say I understand it all perfectly now. But oh, the apprehension that I have of it now so far exceeds what I had then. Um, to, to understand a kingdom of God that's not a body politic, a kingdom of God that's not made with hands, a kingdom of God that's in the Holy Spirit, a kingdom of God that makes people one, a kingdom of God in which there is perfect justice and truth, a, a kingdom, a, 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 a place where all, all things are set right. And the fact that it's already inaugurated but it's not fully realized. So that's what we talk yeah. about. Realized eschatology means we have the taste of it. Kim, this kingdom is a kingdom in the Holy Spirit. Oh, amen. Amen. So it's, it's not a kingdom in a human constitution. It's a kingdom in the Holy Spirit. So let's dig into it. Okay. <laughs> now, this is fascinating. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are in the body. 
Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Now, this little snippet of text, verses 1 to 4 of Hebrews 13, for a lot of people, when they read the book, it's like, oh, here's the practical application. Well, kind of, but it's way more specific than that. So think of it this way. You are covenant-keeping Jews, and you are reading a book that if you apprehend this book right, it means the end of everything you know about your corporate life. And, and so after he talked about the end of priesthood, the end of sacrifice, the end of temple, he now talks about the end of the nation. And so you go, well, what remains? And this is fantastic, Kim, because what he's saying is, Oh, well, the things that we learned in our Jewishness that pertain to the way we live our life, it hasn't gone away. Let brotherly love continue. By the way, you know where brotherly love came from? I love this because uh, it was just this week that my, my wonderful sister writes to me and says, and I have a bunch of sisters, so I won't expose one. <laughs> but, but she says, what is this Leviticus thing? She's going through the book of Leviticus. <laughs> and, and, and I would recommend to anybody, don't start the book of Leviticus. That's how you learn your Bible. <laughs> but but uh, I said to her, well, sister, did you know that um, love, love one another? Did you know that the idea of loving others as you love yourself, that it comes out of Leviticus? <laughs> It does. Right. It does. It does. It's right there. So here's what he's saying. Note, this is kind of a summary of Torah. Oh, beautiful. Let so so that because the idea is got like, wait a minute, what's left? And the writer says, Oh, well, brotherly love will continue. Showing hospitality to strangers will continue. Uh, hospitality is a core value of Hebrew theology. Yes. And, and then he, he gives that wonderful little phrase, for some have entertained angels. And Kim, you know the first one that comes to mind when you say some have entertained angels is Abraham. So, so yeah, the, father, right. the father of the nation entertained angels. Yes, he did. And, and yes, broke he did. bread with them. Remember those who are in prison as though you're in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you're also in the body. So this is this is mercy, ministry, and kindness. And then let the marital covenant be held in honor and, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Uh, once again, here's this harsh word, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. You asked me last week for a definition of sexual morality. And what did I give you? I gave you the sanctity of the marital bed. That's what I gave you. Yes, and, that's and here right. It is, here it is expressed here. I had not thought that, that, that this would be just ahead for us, uh, but here it is. And by the way, it's a very interesting thing that over and over um, we are told that, that there's a judgment associated with sexual immorality. And wow. I, Ouch. I, um, in fact, you can go through the Bible and over and over and over, you'll see it. And um, 
the, the, the very core of covenant breaking is defiling the, the sacredness of the sexual union. Um, I cannot stress enough. This is just a hard word for people. It's a very hard word for people. It's a very and some hard the people word. People say, "Well, who can do this?" And and uh, and and our Lord did not relent on it. But look, here's this: um, leaving Sinai, but love continues. Yeah. So Deuteronomy six: love the Lord your God with your heart and soul and might. And then Leviticus 19, don't take vengeance or bear grudge against the son of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord. Remember when Jesus was asked to summarize, he was asked to summarize the whole law, and he says it can all be contained in these two laws, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, note yeah. this, the writer of Hebrews is just now doing the same thing. He's defining brotherly love. And again, I, I, I think he's anticipating the, the sure question that would have to say, which is, if we do what you say, then everything goes out the window. And he says, no, 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 no. Because you see, Kim, the Holy Spirit will teach us to live in harmony with the intent of God's law. Because God himself will not teach us to disobey and to dishonor God. That's and right. so, you know, there it is again. Um, I, I think if I'm not careful, I might, I might end up going through all of these. Yeah, there it is. There's the hospitality with angels. And here's the picture of uh, angels who come and interact with him. And, and let me just say, um, most people don't know when angels interact with him, but, but, but this is one of the things that fascinates me. Every time you read the passage about entertaining angels, almost everybody I know has an entertaining angel story. And uh, <laughs> if, if my wife were on here, she would, she would give you our entertaining angel story. Um, it was, it was the birth of our third child. We were in mm -hmm. seminary and, and we, it, 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 Emily was born during the Christmas break. So the seminary was empty. All the students were gone, but Gail had had a baby and had had a cesarean surgery. And so she's at home with two preschoolers and a newborn and Kim, I was working nights and, and still was working. There was no like, go home and take care of your family laws in those days. And, uh, and it was Christmas day and a knock came on our door and, a, and an elderly couple was there with gifts and food and presents. And we had, and we had never seen them before. And we've never seen them again. And my wife says they're angels. And I'm not disputing <laughs> my wife. I'm like, yes, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I have an angel story. I have Tell one me. too. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I, well, when, uh, you know, in my testimony that I, I have told so many times when Mike and I uh, were 
we were about to get divorced. And then I heard God say, you know, go back and reconcile. And so that very first, I had called him and asked him to dinner. We had been apart for six months and it was just, you know, a few weeks before a divorce was final, but God had said, you know, to, to go home to your husband. So we met for dinner and uh, we sat with our three little, with our two little kids. We hadn't had Andy yet. And, um, and while we were at dinner, now, mind you, we'd been through this very ugly, very dark six months. It was bad, 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 bad. And, uh, and we're sitting at dinner for the first time in all of these months and with our, with our two little girls and an elderly woman came over to the table and she says, I just had to come over here and tell you that you are one of the most beautiful families I have ever seen. And, and, and then she walked away and we looked at each other like, Oh my goodness, you have no idea, you know? And so we paid the bill, we got up and we went to find her just to tell her, thank you. And she was, she was nowhere. Now I know, you know, we, we could say that she left early, but I mean, we got up right after she had come to us because we were paying our bill at that time. And she was nowhere. She was not in the parking lot. She was not in the restaurant. She was nowhere. And so we, to this day, believe that we were visited by an angel. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, it's, and you know what? Uh, people, like I said, people everywhere have those stories. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, the remembering in prison, I was going to, I, if I, my wife has a, a pen pal from prison. Um, oh. She has w- written uh, to um, a, a, a man whose uh, last name is her maiden name. And I introduced her to DeWitt and, uh, and they became friends and have been pen pals mm, for several years now. And wow. um, I I don't know if DeWitt will ever be released, um, but he's forever in our life and in our hearts. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Kim, this is just uh, recommending to us the demonstration of human kindness, mercy, mm. and, yeah. and, and love. Um, I'll advance this, but recall the former, though this is, um, yeah, this is the reference in chapter 10 about the fact Mm -hmm. that some of, some of them had been in prison and were in prison. And Kim, there's some wondering of, uh, uh, there's going to be a reference to Timothy here in a minute. And there's some wondering if the writer of the book himself was in prison. And of course, we know, for instance, that apostles constantly found themselves in prison. Um, We, um, but we don't know. See, we don't exactly know who wrote this book. And I think I talked about it a little bit. Uh, There's a wonderful theological treatise that contends that uh, Luke was the author of the book of Hebrews. I don't know. I quite like the book. I quite like the theory. Um, it's a it's a wonderfully and masterfully done. A lot of people want to they want Paul to be the 
author of it. And I argued early on in the study that I don't think Paul was, but I do think that for sure it was somebody that was in the Pauline company. And people say, well, how would you account for the language? Uh, Let me just say that anyone who's ever been part of an apostolic movement knows that the that the closest inner circle to those apostolic leaders reminds you in temperament, voice, and expression of that apostolic leader. You can find it true of radio personalities. You can yes, find it was true of John Wimber. Uh, people would use his expressions all the time. Uh, it's true of uh, it's true of Bill Johnson and Randy Clark. It, it, people we imitate those that we admire and we do it so true sound and all kinds of things. Um, I was just with, uh, I was just with Jack Deere recently uh, speaking at a conference and, uh, and I'm, I'm not, I didn't know what to expect. I'd never met him, but I had read his book surprised by the Holy spirit, which was very impactful to me. And, um, and I was really surprised that when his uh, when his turn came around and he got up, I expected this magnificent, brilliant teaching on the scripture. And instead, he did a Wimber-esque uh, time of ministry. And he was very, uh, very just nonchalant. And I don't mean I don't mean uh, uh, careless, but casual, relating to the people <clears throat> you know, giving words of, of knowledge and pressing in for healing and prophecy. And, uh, and someone asked me, well, how was it, how was it, you know, meeting Jack Deere? I said, he's so Wimber-esque. He really, he really was very Mm Wimber-esque. So, so it wouldn't surprise me if if somebody in Paul's inner circle is the author of this. And I quite like the idea that maybe it was Luke. Let marriage be held in honor. That's that word again. And um, again, you f- go back to chapter 10. And the, the, we talked about this last week, so I won't, I won't reiterate that. Um, verse chapter 13 and uh, verse 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So catch this, Kim. The Lord said, the Lord did say, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And the writer of Hebrews said, therefore, we can be free of the love of money. So interesting. I, I need this right now because I will be honest and say that uh, retirement has thrown me into a certain level of insecurity. And uh, in this, uh, a year has passed. And, and uh, so I've, I'm finding myself at peace with uh, the end of a way of life that was based on a salary and all that. And yeah, I'm strengthening myself in this word. This to, like right now, I'm strengthening myself in this word. So, so the writer says, the Lord said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We spiritualize that, but the, but the writer is saying, therefore, you don't have to worry about money, which wow. is exactly what Jesus said in, in his Sermon on the Mount. Yes. 
So we can therefore confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Uh, what can the stock market do to me? What can the housing market do <laughs> yeah. to me? What can the, <laughs> my what boss can, do to me? <laughs> what can, uh, so that's fantastic. And then uh, how humbling it was uh, last year to be finishing my pastoral ministry by saying, remember your leaders and those who spoke the, the word of God, spoke to you the word of God and consider their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, he's completely, the writer is completely shifted into pastor mode. And Kim, he's still, he's about to full thrust. He's going to go full <laughs> throttle before we're done. Back into theology and back into stuff that that shakes us up a little bit. Um, here it is. I love this. I do too. The unchanging Jesus, Kim. Yeah, beautiful. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. Yeah. Um, wow. Let me just yeah. apply that before we go too far. Okay. Jesus is the same. Now, <laughs> do you know how the church fathers take that? They actually apply that to the Old Testament. And this is important for us because you see some in the apostolic writings. The idea is to, to teleport you back there and say, he's the same yesterday. Jesus was there always concealed yesterday. Today, revealed Jesus is revealed today. And the writer of Hebrews is participating in revealing Jesus to those that um, for whom he was concealed and forever fulfilled. Mm. So Jesus is in every phrase, in every phase. Okay. So, yeah. So what they want us to know is that uh, old covenant life was Jesus. Uh the writer of first Corinthians or Paul, when he writes first Corinthians, he said, they all drank from the same spiritual rock and the rock was Christ. And you go, wait a minute. You go <laughs> looking back and read your old Testament. It doesn't say that. <laughs> right. The apostle says, no, we're walking in this revelation. He was always there. So he's the same. Kim, he's the same yesterday, today wow. and forever. We can settle on this word. This is about to go. Um, this is what it meant when uh, when we read in chapter 11 about Moses choosing to bear the reproach of Christ mm. before Christ was even revealed. Yes. Moses was choosing Christ before he had a full revelation of Christ. That's what's, and so that's. That's how the writer of Hebrews here, he's, he's, he's now telling us what he's already done. He's already seen the old covenant through the lens of Jesus. And now he's, he's unpacking that a little bit for us. Um, I, you love this text. What do you want to, do you want to, I, I love, I love Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, because we, we just finished reading 
about that everything everything that can be will be shaken you know and and that that there's always a time in our life because there's nothing new under the sun that we will come to places where we have where our old way of life is removed from us and we're asked to step out into something brand new and to embrace that and of course you know prophets are always telling us you know I, God is about to do a new thing, you know, will you not receive it? You know, the past is gone. And, and, um, and this is always happening. Our, our life is always being renewed. Our, our mind should be renewed. We are. And so we will go through seasons of transition where everything seems to be shaken. Sometimes we go through a test and a trial. You know, this is what this always means to me. We go through a test and trial. There's crisis or tragedy or trauma that happens in our life, you know, and we don't know how we're going to move forward. And this is the kind of scripture that says, I got this. Listen, listen, I, wow, I suddenly have so much emotion. People are so afraid right now. There's so much anxiety going on because everything seems to be changing and change is hard for people, you know, and we pray and pray. And Alan, we've said this before. You and I have talked about this before in other contexts, you know, about how we pray and we pray and we pray for a breakthrough. And then everything starts breaking down. And we go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Oh, wait. You know, that's not. And so we don't really understand what we're saying when we ask God to bring a breakthrough, because when we ask him to bring a breakthrough, he has to break down our old life, our old ways, our own paradigms, all the things that keep us stuck, you know, so that we can move forward. And but in the midst of that, we need to remember no matter what happens in this life, even, you know, no matter what's happening in the politics in our nation, the social unrest, all the things that are shaking right now. Jesus is the same yesterday. He's he was in it in our in the in our past history. He's in it with us now. He's going to continue to be in us. He's already gone before us. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the same. He is unchanging and that is the place where we can stand. It always reminds me of that of that passage, you know, scripture where he says, you know, um that that set your feet upon the rock, you know, because the rest, all the rest is sinking, sand, is sinking sand, you know, and uh, he's, un he's, he's unchangeable. You can count on Jesus. You can trust in Jesus. You can, you can plant your feet there no matter what happens in your, in your life. And he's with you. And, and that's what really, the same yesterday, today, and forever means to me. He's he's the same. Jesus is in our today. He and he was with us before. He's still with us now. I have a favorite theologian who wrote during World War One, and he was writing about the problem of evil, mm. and he said, I'll, "I'll summarize it. It's not his exact words." He said. It's not the war that causes me to wonder if Jesus is in control. He said, <laughs> when you pray for the kingdom to come, you're praying for the collapse of everything that's not the kingdom. Woo! And he said it this way, we know not what we ask. Yeah. And so, Kim, when we pray kingdom prayers, we're actually praying for everything that's not kingdom 
to be dismantled in our lives. And so, so you gotta be, be careful about this praying thing. Cause you may be, you may be praying <laughs> yourself. You might be praying yourself into uh, a, 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 an exodus an exile. A flood, <laughs> well, it's true. Right. I mean, we do, you know, we get say, let's do a 40 day fast. You know, and let's pray for heaven to come to earth and let's and let's pray for a breakthrough. And it feels like all hell breaks loose. And you go, wait a minute, this is not what I asked for, but it's exactly what you asked for. Okay, now he goes on to say, do not be led away by the diverse and strange teachings. Now I go, well, what is he talking about? Now I'm fixing yeah. to tell you something that might shock you. Okay. <laughs> for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Now, I'm going to just be shocking and say, he's talking about the traditions of the elders. He's talking about the Jewish traditions. You know, Jesus was constantly... Um, rebuking the, the traditions of the elders. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. And yeah. then Jesus also said, it's not what goes in a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. You referred to that passage already. Now, so so he's telling them, um, because look, what do you do when, when people start uh, reading something that's as transformative as this, and then they start living according to this transformative thing, then people, if they want to reel them back in, the first thing they do is they're like, wait a minute, you're not eating right. Wait a minute, you're not keeping Sabbath right. Wait a minute, what about the circumcision? So immediately they start to challenge on these things. And I am audacious enough to say to you that I think He's literally tell. this is him pulling them out of the old and into the new. Even as Paul would sometimes call the circumcision crowd, the concision. Um, <laughs> even as Paul would, would, uh, would talk about not being held captive uh, to teachings about status and full moons and all these things. And feasts, the feasts of, yes. Yes. So I think he's actually pulling them uh, toward grace. And so sometimes when, when I was teaching this to my church, I said, I said, guys, I eat bacon wrapped kosher. <laughs> I said, <laughs> you know, I'm a terrible guy. When I'm preaching, I, I get terrible because always there'd be somebody who would discover they had to start eating kosher in my church. And I'd be like, that's great. Have you got any ham in your freezer? Cause bring it. To me. <laughs> because they forbid pork for those of you who don't understand. I'm being about. cheeky. I'm being a little cheeky yes. here. He's cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> now for, uh, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Now watch this, because this is going to, this is like, ready? We have an altar from which those who serve it tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood 
is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. All right. Kim. You're going to need to unpack that for us. (laughs) (laughs) We have an altar from which those who serve at tent have no right to eat. I'm going to go ahead and suggest this is this is Eucharistic. For the bodies of those whose animals, whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. Now, this is the this is the idea that uh, they they would sometimes partake in the sacrifices, but that then they had the offering for which. They had it. They couldn't eat it. They took it outside the camp and burned it. Now, outside the camp, in the in the in the Jewish uh, way of thinking about things, outside the camp, Kim, outside the camp is the place of defilement. Mm-hmm. Outside the camp is the place of. Uh, um, of its uncleanness. Yes. Like if you, if you were ritually unclean, you had to go outside the camp. Uh, yeah. There are all kinds of Levitical laws and all, there are all kinds of moments at which going outside the camp was, uh, is kind of associated with shame and uncleanness. And Miriam. Thing, yes. One of the things that we get fascinated by is Jesus constantly Cleansing the unclean by one touch. Yes, and Luke really presses into that in Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel is full of of Jesus reaching out to those who have been outcasted from the community, from the body, and uh, and and forbidden to come to temple, which was which was such a. Uh, uh, um, a punishment oh, for them. The ultimate exclusion. Yes. Kim, that is such a good insight. I'm so glad you brought that to the table. Uh, yeah. that, and, and he literally says, we have an altar that we can eat from it, but the ones who serve at the tent cannot. Well, what is that altar? Yeah. That's the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. And they can't eat from it because why? Because they're trusting in their Old Testament sacrifices of bloods and bulls, which he said in chapter nine, I believe it is, that cannot uh, cannot really cleanse our sin. And so they have to be sacrificed year after year after year. And what they do, rather than cleanse us for our sin, there's a momentary cleanses, but they can't cleanse our conscience. And so we're never really relieved. We're only reminded constantly of our sin. And so those who, who refuse to come really to Jesus and remain in that old system, they haven't trusted Christ. They can't participate in, in the body and blood of Christ. Is that, is am am I getting that? You're exploding it. I have a feeling because I know you a little bit. That yeah. this stuff has been in your preaching lately. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> I can't wait to hear some of what you've been preaching, because you know? because I know when you when you preach it, it comes with uh with, with force. But, but this text is always kind of like here's what people do. People we say well, now, which was that? Let's get that. Let's try to understand that. So let's you do it with the big sweep. The big sweep is this. Yes. We have an altar that we can eat from. The Levitical priesthood can't eat from it. So, so 100%, that's a reference to Jesus. And, and the idea for the bodies of those whose animals is brought into the holy places by the high priest and sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So there's, there's an actual sacrifice. There was a sacrifice from which they couldn't eat. Mm -hmm. Now watch what he does with this. So Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify people through his own blood. Oh, wow. Well, they couldn't eat. They couldn't eat from the table, from the altar that we've been given to eat from because they weren't yet sanctified because because they were. Right. They because they won't come was, to him outside the gate. Yes, because it's not the blood of Jesus is the only blood that truly sanctifies. And wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm oh, this is. This is inside of me now after after a year of, of meditating on this. Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Kim, he made us clean by going to the place of uncleanness. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And by making it clean with his own blood. <laughs> He made us clean. Wow. And so now you got to catch this because what, what's about to happen is like just so revolutionary. Yep. And Kim, you always have to keep me up on our time. How, how are we doing? We're fine. You have uh, 40 minutes, almost 40 minutes left. Um, you mean of the total or 40 minutes? Yeah, left. Okay, so we're... <laughs> We're pretty far down the road. I gotta hurry. I gotta go. <laughs> um, therefore, let us go to him. Yeah. Kim, that's the summary of the whole book. Wow. It's a it's a teacher teaching Hebrew people, Jewish people, and says. We have to go to him. Okay, where is he, Kim? He's outside the camp. Yes, he is. So one more time with this just brilliant stroke of insight and artistry and rhetoric and theology. He says, we're going now. We're leaving now. We're, this is leaving the city, Kim. This is leaving Jerusalem. Wow. Now, metaphorically, spiritually, or actually? I think in every way. Oh, wow. How now, frightening when I, for when them. When I first started this study, I was 
I was persuaded to some degree that that this was written to to suffering Hebrew Christians in Jerusalem. I ended up thinking this is this is the believers who are in Jerusalem at a time of fomenting patriotism. Wow. 67 to 70 was the Jewish wars. Mm. The inaugural steps of the Jewish wars, the Jews had success. Strangely, when the Romans were at their highest point, was it 69, the, the Romans left the city. When the Romans left the city, guess who escaped to the mountains? It was the Christians who, by the word of a prophecy, left the city. What we never think about, Kim, is that, yeah. is that okay, they're going by a word of prophecy. Wow. But when they went out, they would go out under a cloud of suspicion and shame, and they would have been reproached by the mm. people who were left inside the city. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. <laughs> For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Now, this message needs to be preached to Americans whose patriotism have blinded them to the kingdom of God. Open your eyes. Here, you, if, if, the, if the writer of Hebrews can say to Jewish people that we have no lasting city and be referencing Jerusalem, it's, this is an unmistakable reference to Jerusalem. Even if the people he's writing to were not in Jerusalem. He, this is an unmistakable reference. Here we have no lasting city. We seek one that is to come, the city of God, which we were told they had already come to, and now we're told it is still to come as well. This city has come, is coming, and is to come. <laughs> For here we have no lasting city. Through him then, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge him. And don't neglect to do good and to share with what you have for with such sacrifices, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I want to know, how does, how does this interpretation hit you, my friend? I, well, it raises the hairs on my arms. I can tell you that, you know, to think that, that in that time that, that the Christians were being called and, and understood that, the prophetic word of the Lord. So obeying the word of the Lord that came through, uh, through prophecy meant leaving everything behind. I mean, I think of how, of how difficult some of the transitions have been for people who have, who have moved from one state to another for whatever reason, you know, and, and how difficult it is to leave everything behind friends and family and and houses and property and 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 
the the familiarity with with where they and they're leaving everything behind and not only that they're being mocked they're they're you know reproach means that they are being insulted that they are being mocked that they are they are being disrespected you know and so and 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 they are taking this risk you know to trust Jesus and to go outside the camp and and bear that reproach and so you know to to begin to separate in their heart their love for that city that had been trained into them all the time i mean to be to go to jerusalem to was was the height of everything you know yeah. it was it was the, the place where everything happened it was to be an insider you know to be part of the in crowd you know to be to be part of everything that was happening in God, you know, and, 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 and of course, yes, in their nation, um, and their, their nationalism, their nationalism was not something like they all of a sudden came up with. I mean, you know, they, the law and everything had come through their people, their nation, their bloodline. And so, wow, I mean, they're, they're having to turn their back on everything. And, uh, and it, how it hits me is that, you know, it's like Kim have have you have you sufficiently detached from you know everything to follow Jesus and I and I you know I mean I have given my life of course you know on the altar of Christ but even still you know you you have to ask those questions I'm just That's so moved by this text Jesus suffered outside the gate Jesus was kicked out and he yeah. went out there and he to sanctify the people through his blood. He made the unholy clean. And then he says, so let's go to him. Let's go to him. Yeah. Let's bear his reproach. Let's go. And I can't imagine the difficulty that these people are in. So when I combine no. the timing of when the book was written, when I combine the, the history of what was unfolded, and when I combine the content of this passage, I conclude that I, I, I can't see anything other than this was a now word. This was yes. God speaking to them. Yeah. Today, if you hear his voice. <laughs> yes. And then he nails it down by saying, we don't have any lasting city here. Kim, how bad Christians in the body politic needed to hear a sure word of God that said to them, here we have no lasting city. Take a breath, Christians. Don't trust and the, in the body politic. Trust in the Lord. Yes, and I and I think about how really this word is so black and white. You know, he's talking to those who are being tempted. Again, we have to understand it in the context that these people are being tempted to unbelief, which leads them to apostate to turn away from Jesus. I mean, it really is an all or nothing where loving Jesus, giving our lives to Jesus is really an all or nothing decision. Like you don't, you don't get to have Alan, you don't get to have a foot in the world and a foot in, in, in the kingdom any, anymore. You can't, you can't do that and be a follower of Christ. That's what this is also saying. Jesus 
gave his whole life. He went outside, he bore our reproach so that we could be sanctified. And now in response to that, we leave everything behind. I mean, <laughs> wow, I, you know, whoo. <laughs> We we can't we can't accommodate the world. We don't get to compromise with sin and the world and Satan and and our appetites. I mean, he said this over and over and over throughout this throughout this book. Yeah, I I have emphasized. I'm scrolling through where these where I uh, emphasized. This is where so this is one of those let us moments. Therefore, let us offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. You know what he's saying here, Kim? No. We've come to the end of a sacrificial system, but we haven't come to the end of sacrifice. Now let's talk about the sacrifice of praise. Just a minute. The sacrifice of praise is what you give to God when you've lost everything. Oh. Our dear brother, Bill Johnson, Yes. Reminded of this, this reminded us all of this at the death of his beloved wife, Betty. And yes. he said, I shall never have another opportunity. The sacrifice of praise comes in the loss of all things. And and the writer knows that. He's, wow. He says, so, so Kim, this has been such a rebuke to me. In these in these days of loss, I've I felt a lot of loss, and and the Lord has come to me and strengthened me again, um, because we can't keep it. <laughs> we, we, there's nothing we can keep. No. And so, and so we, so we lose it. I have to, I have to press this a little forward. So we will, we'll get finished with this text. Um, obey your leaders and submit to them for their keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning for that would be no advantage to you. Now he's, he's, he's lapsing into the personal pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I, I urge you more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. So now it's a, it's clear that this is an intimate relationship. And Kim, that brings us to the, the last little piece of our study, which we, we, we probably need to rush toward. I think you have to. Do we need to switch? Yeah, give me a give me the other the other piece of our slides. There it is. Grace be with you. Hallelujah. Yeah. Um, and once again, I I don't I won't have time uh, in this time to to remind everybody, but I'll um, pray for us. We are we are sure that we have a clear conscience. By the way. Kim, uh, the book of Hebrews this time, and you know, you, I'm, I'm, I'm about to join you on this being a favorite book because I'm just falling in love with this thing. Oh, uh, Kim, there's, there's not a, there's not another book in the Bible 
that so robustly brings forth the issue of conscience yeah. as this book. And Kim, this is a day and an hour when the word of God to the church is to have our conscience informed from heaven and to obey our conscience when we are confronted with a world that is shaming us based on new values that have come to the world and when our conscience will not allow us. I have many times invoked my conscience uh, in these recent years when confronted with the changing mores and values of a culture that I refuse to bow to. Um, and so I'll, I'll leave that. Verse 20. Kim, the book closes with a blessing. I have, uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get wistful here. In the last years of my pastoral ministry, I had gotten to where I would stand before the people and lift my hands over them. And I would invoke, especially the ironic blessing. And then I would embellish it with other blessings from the new covenant. So just imagine that the, the last message in my pastoral ministry was this. And here, this, uh, this new covenant blessing. Uh, it had gotten to be such a powerful thing in our church that sometimes if something would be a little, um, well, like if the church would, the service would get out of hand and, and things would begin to be experiential, um, somebody would, would jog me and they'd say, Pastor, we can't go. You haven't blessed us yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. That's beautiful. And, and I I miss the blessing, Kim. I do. I miss standing pastorally in the midst of the people and speaking the blessing. I so believe in the power of the blessing. And that I and I believe that what we bless flourishes. And so here the writer of Hebrews, having exhorted these people to the hardest thing any pastor has ever exhorted people to. The leaving of a whole way of life and the full embrace of a new way of life, even though they would lose everything and then telling them that the Lord will be with them, that they don't have to fear the love of money. So let me just speak. I'm just going to read this blessing and we'll do, we'll do some amplification on it. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> and that's and that's how and that's how this writer that's that's how he 
comes to the climax of this glorious book with a, with a, uh, in essence, what he's done is he's shifted the Aaronic blessing mm. into the Christocentric blessing. The God of peace. What, what, what is the Aaronic blessing? It's the, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace. And now he, he just jumps right on the back of that. Now may the God of peace, <laughs> who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you. I love that word. You know how I love that word, equip, Kim. I, I yes. don't know if I even, I might have, uh, yeah, there it is. Let me, let me, yeah, go through this. The God of peace, the God of shalom, the God. Uh, <laughs> so, so everything that's involved in that ironic blessing is it comes to us from from the from the God of peace, um, uh, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Nothing exceeds um, the resurrection from the dead, Kim. The, the resurrection from the dead is the vindication of Jesus. Uh, the, <laughs> theolo theologically, it vindicates him. It means everything he did, everything he said is vindicated. Uh, by his resurrection, where he rose to never die again. Every other person, there have been some resurrections. Every other person that rose from the dead rose only to, to die again. But Jesus, uh, death has no more dominion over him. And and he is the shepherd. He's the he is the good shepherd. This is the the shepherd's psalm. This is mm -hmm. the great shepherd of the sheep. Um, we are not. Uh, you remember um, this is I, I, this has affected me so profoundly that in uh, the book of Ezekiel, Kim, in the book of Ezekiel, the. The, the prophet Ezekiel began to rebuke uh, the shepherds. Mm -hmm. And he said the shepherds were bad. He, he began to rebuke them. And, <laughs> and Jesus, uh, in fact, what he said was, he said, because the shepherds are bad, he said by the prophet Ezekiel, I myself will come and shepherd my sheep. Now, Jesus, walking in the fullness of that, when he walked upon the earth, literally stood and said to his people, I'm the good shepherd, which was a clear invocation of Ezekiel. And, and in Ezekiel, it was the reference that Yahweh was coming to, to shepherd his sheep. And yes. Jesus, it's I. And this is Jesus putting himself in that place of Yahweh. This is, I and my father are one. This is the revelation of the father. Mm. <laughs> the great shepherd mm. of the sheep. Um, yeah. uh, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Kim, it's blood that cleanses. In the Bible, the blood is not shed. It's not a punishment act. It's a cleansing act. Blood yes. is the element of 
cleansing. The, the function of blood in Scripture is cleansing. This is why when Jesus died on the cross, uh, he, he wasn't dying as a punishment. Jesus was the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb wasn't punished. <laughs> the no. Passover lamb was the one that came and defeated the dark powers. That's right. And the and the and the blood was the this is a this is a clean household this is a washed household by the blood of the eternal covenant and then this word equip ye with every good thing that you may do his will we've talked about equip before haven't we I don't think so I don't think we've talked about it mm -mm. this is the word from this is the word katartismos this is the word where the where the, where the scriptures talk about um, the fivefold ministry, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Here is, this is that, that's this word. The word equip doesn't mean put on a backpack and get us and, and get your, get your weaponry. I mean, that the armor <laughs> of God stuff is used elsewhere. That's, that's another metaphor that's used, but this is a different word. Kim, to be equipped is to be, is to be restored. Mm. It's the it's the broken bone that's been mended. Mm. It's the torn net that's been sewn together. Mm. To equip, to be equipped is is uh, is is to be restored. And so the shepherd of the sheep comes by the blood of the covenant, and he restores us. Mm. And the reason that we can do his will is because of the work he's done inside of us. The restoration of our souls. This is the, this is an inner healing word, Kim. This is a, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a word for, for being made whole and uh, working that in us, which is pleasing in his sight. It's God that is at work within you to do and to, to work in the will for his good pleasure. Uh, this is the not I, but Christ. This is the, this is the confession that we make that our union with Christ is how we go forward. And they're being blessed with all these things through Jesus Christ, to whom we glory forever. Now I'm, I've got my eye on the time. Cause I think you probably want to, we, we probably want to finish a little more, a little more slowly. So I've raced us a little bit. I think we have a little bit of time left, don't we? Yes. Yes, 15 minutes. So so we're going to – so I've rushed us a little bit. Unlike what I've done in the past, we're, we want to we just have some conversation and some prayer. Yeah. Hebrews uh, yes. 13, 22. After he blesses them, he says, I appeal to you, brothers. Bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy, and here's that here's that inner circle of Paul, has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints, and those who come from Italy uh, send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. And, uh, of course, these closing exhortations, uh, people try to parse out geography from some of that, and I wouldn't argue. So, so let me just say in closing, um, 
again, we don't know where these Hebrews were. We know they were suffering a hard time. And we do know that they're being called to leave what they've had and to embrace a future. And, uh, and I think it's poignant that at a time when uh, we who are in America are being tossed about by nationalist impulses that we get a Christocentric gospel. Yes. Yes. And I need this because uh, I'm, I, I am, I'm, I pro, I want to be a, I want to be a hard charging patriot, but I'm ultimately a kingdom pastor. Yeah. And so here we are having had a long study with, uh, I don't know, Dr. Luke or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a long study. I want to know from, from you as a pastor, you know, what is your, what are your closing thoughts about this? You know, what are the things that you would want uh, them to take away from these 10 weeks, the most important points. And I love that it closes with, and I appeal to you to bear with this word of exhortation. And so, and so Alan, you know, Pastor Alan, Dr. Hawk, what's, what's our appeal? Well, the appeal is, is to live a Christocentric life, not an egocentric life and not, um, and not be tossed about. Kim, the winds are blowing. And I, I, would, I would say on, on one side, the winds of, uh, of a culture that's being redefined by, uh, by non, uh, uh, I'll say even anti-Christian values. Mm -hmm. the, the winds are blowing, Kim. They're blowing hard. And people are being tossed about. And what, again, what people think will hold them is that if we could, if we can anchor ourselves back into um, our national identity and our culture there, and if we can uh, push back the, the forces uh, by some political fiat, mm -hmm. um, but we can't do it, Kim. We, we're called to live Christocentric lives. And so um, my wife, uh, when, I, when I left, I, I don't know if I've talked about this, but when I left, um, my wife's always been my biggest cheerleader. And when I left, I slightly got soured up a bit. And then one day my wife says to me, Alan, if you're going to preach like that, I'm staying home. Because she detected the note of anger, and yeah, you can, you know me, you know me and Mama Gail. <laughs> oh, Mama Gail, you know that that got that got through to me, and she said, "Stop being angry and tell the people what to do." Yes, and that's what I'm asking you now. What do we do? What do we do? Things are shaking. Our children. Uh, how do we? What do I? What do we? tell our children how do we live this christocentric life so i hear you but how do i do that so what 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 do our what do the people do 
Okay, I'm. You know me. You know I will not answer as concretely as you want me to. But but I think this might be. This might be more concrete than normal. Okay. Set a table. Mm. Kim, we have an altar from which to eat that those who serve at temple have no right to eat. That is, a, again, that's the Christocentric message. Now, I'm going to say, I'm saying to people, stop aiming at the nation and aim at your family. Aim small. How do you aim at your family? At the table. Let's go to the table. Let's eat together. Let's drink together. Let's, let's sit face to face. Um, and for the church, I'm saying, make the center of your worship the table of the Lord. Don't make the center of your worship the personality of the leaders. Good. Bring Jesus to the center of things. Kim, I'm noticing as I travel and go to churches that Jesus is not the center. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's personality driven. It's principle driven. It's uh, moral lessons or little. Make Jesus the center of your teaching. Make Jesus the center. Bring, bring the table of the Lord center to worship so that we must declare Jesus more than we're declaring ourselves. With the family, we have to sit with the family face-to-face. -face. Life is worked out face-to-face. -face. That means we, we, we are together enough that we have uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. <laughs> but we have to have them. And in the midst of having them, we don't get rancorous and angry, but we do feel the tension and the stress and we talk. And so I'm saying Jesus is the center of the family table. Jesus is the center of the gathered table. I think table fellowship is the word of the spirit to the church and to us. Uh, again, our, our friend Bill Johnson, when, when he preached after Benny died and he started testifying about the fact that, that a move of God would be coming. And when he said, through the Lord's Supper. And our dear friend Benny wrote a book on the communion. And Lou Engle went about telling people that there's a revival coming around the table of the Lord. I'm pressed into this issue. So I'm saying... Let's more often come to the table of the Lord where we have to proclaim Jesus. And, and, and this is what's hard for people to say. I'm sacralizing, making sacred the family meal again. Yes. I'm, in, I'm being intentional about saying, get rid of electronics, get rid of distractions, set the table, sit down, be face to face. Have real conversation. Don't be distracted. Listen to each other. Pray for one another. Exhort one another. 
bring Jesus to the table without bringing him to the table legalistically or, or, or as a cudgel. Bring him as the shepherd of the sheep. Bring him as the one who loves us. Bring him as the one who has set the table. Bring him as the one who says we don't have to be afraid. Constantly bring him. And yeah, let's, I mean, families fight, right? Just don't be afraid of it. Just do it. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think about what I, 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 well, for, for two years, I've had maybe a little bit long, maybe just a little bit longer, two and a half years. I have really felt impressed by the Lord that he wants to restore the family altar. And that's what you're talking about. And I also think that means the, I think that means the nuclear family. And I think that means the, the family of the body of Christ. And I think gathering around the table is exactly the place that he restores the family altar. I don't think I, it's not like building an actual altar and then everybody coming and bowing down no. to the altar. It's not about no. that. Oh. It, it is about relationship. It isn't that what he, what the author of Hebrews said is let brotherly love continue and practice hospitality. I think, I think this is exactly what you're saying is that we, we have to practice again, hospitality because Alan, as things begin, continue to break down and get hard, it's when we are like this in relationship and we remind one another, don't forget Jesus. You know, he said earlier in Hebrews, you know, let us encourage one another even while it is still today. Even while it is still today, because, because the times are evil. And I, it, there's nothing new under the sun. Listen, we've there have been times in history that's been very, very bad in various nations and times and Christians, you know, this is when we have to pull tighter so that we're not scattered. We pull tighter around, you know, and was it say, um, you know, um, in Psalm 23 about coming to the table that's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies so that my cup will overflow you know, our cup is still full. Yeah, I, I, so I'm just saying that intimate relationships and that the circle of family, you know, you just, I know that you yourself just took a, a time away and you focused on your family. Yes. Uh, guess what? The world went on. You, you, <laughs> you, you didn't have to be busy. It was okay. And your mm -hmm. family was enriched. Um, and my heart was full. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know, for instance, with me, if the Lord gives me a clear assignment that's outside of my old home of Albuquerque, fine. But if he doesn't, I'm going to Albuquerque where most of my family is, where my children are, where my grandchildren are. Because mm -hmm. I have to eat with them. I have to break bread with them. Yeah. I have to I have to go to the table of Jesus. And and for me what I'm trying to do is make every time that I eat food become a reminder of Jesus. Mm. Not not by the ritual of a blessing. 
but by the reality that when Jesus came to us, he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And so I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get more into that place. And uh, some people are like worried about me and my, you know, are you talking about getting Catholic or what? Da, 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 da. No, I'm talking about being Christocentric. And if, if, and I'm happy. Uh, I, I think I certainly am informed by the historic church. Kim, as I've, as I've, as I've looked at the ancient church before they had scripture, they had the table. Yes. The table was the center of their life. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at with the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is a book of Jesus and it culminates with, let us go to him outside the camp. So let's go be with Jesus. And in fact, every right. time you're around outcast people, just re realize that's where he is. Whew. So good. I love you, my friend. And I, I thank you I for love letting, you too. letting me bloviate for 10 weeks. <laughs> and uh, I, I do hear from people who are tuning in. And so those of you who are tuning into this, uh, this avenue, uh, keep Keep following my friend Kim and her ministry and the work she's doing. And uh, um, you'll see me from time to time because uh, we're about to start up our pastor's podcast again. And uh, yeah. who, knows, who knows where I may pop up, but I'm probably about to come out of my year of, 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 of hiddenness from public life and reemerge. We'll see what happens with that. That's fantastic. So, so Pastor Allen, shepherd of the church, would you give us your blessing? And I would like to hear, because I was so, I was very moved when you talked about that the blessing in Hebrews is the continuation, just like everything in Hebrews was a continuation from the old into the new. And so, and so even though the old way of living and being with God was ending and the new was coming. It, it, it still was reminding us what the old was pointing with to Jesus. So would you give us both blessings? Would you, would you begin with the ironic and come to the, the blessing in Hebrews and would you bless us? And those of you who are listening or watching, I want you just right now, I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. I, I wish we had told you last week to have communion ready for this week. Um, but let's come to the table in our hearts right now over the body and the blood. Wow. I'm so moved by the, over the body and the blood yeah. of our precious Jesus, who is better than anything we could have imagined and has given us and in, and insured by his blood, sealed by his blood, better promises and a better covenant and would you come to the table in your heart together with us right now? And would you just open up your heart? Would you just allow him to open up your eyes to see that everything's going to be okay? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you receive Jesus right now? If you've yes. never received him, just receive him right now because you can. Yes. Just say, Jesus, I receive you. I receive you as Lord and Savior. And I, I give up my old life to receive this new life 
And when you receive right now the Holy Spirit that's been poured out, who will enable you to live this new life, this new life in Christ that's better, that's better than anything you could have ever have imagined. And now would you open up your heart to receive the blessing of the Lord from your good shepherd that comes through the shepherds that he has placed in the church, the pastors and the leaders of which our friend, Dr. Alan Hawkins is one. And would you receive the blessing of the Lord and Alan, whatever you want to say. Well, I want to bless the people. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. And um, and then don't forget to tune in to my friend, Dr. Kim Moss's teachings and get her books and, oh and uh, find her when you can find her on the road and, and uh, get yourself blessed by this woman of God who is, uh, I just know her as my friend, but amazing person. And I'm grateful to have been with you guys for these weeks. And who knows, we may do it again. Oh, we will. Next summer, I have a plan. I told you I have a plan for your life. <laughs> next summer, Alan Hawkins, next summer, after the summer series, I would like to do the Emmaus Road. That's what I was thinking. Oh, wow. Please. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be a great summer series. Wow. So everybody, thank you for tuning in. Alan, thank you really from the bottom of my heart. I love you, my friend, so I much you. you and Mama Gail. So precious to me. And uh, and soon I hope we have table fellowship in person, face to face. I would love that. Come to my house. Come to Idaho I'm, sometime. I'm halfway there. <laughs> okay. And, and everyone who's listening, thank you for tuning in. Again, you can go back and you can get all the series on the uh, on the rest on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and go to my YouTube channel and find the rest. Download your summer series study book so you can study, you can gather a group, and you can do this because now it's going to be on the YouTube forever and ever. And uh, and I, I'm just so grateful to all of you for listening. And, uh, and I know that God has blessed you. So we'll see you next week. And actually, no, I'm supposed to tell you, we're taking a little break because this is, we have ended season two, 62 episodes in season two. And then we've done the 10 week summer series. We're taking a break for two weeks time. And we're going to be back with season three of Move Forward with Dr. Kim Moss podcast. And I love you all. See you in two weeks. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for the Move Forward podcast. We would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend. You can connect with Dr. Kim on social media. For those links and more, visit her website, kimmoss.com. Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and The Four Questions. You can find those books on Amazon. Remember, never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.